0: All right. How's everybody doing tonight? Everybody liking the warm weather? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm ready for summer, right? Um, I'm not preacher, as you can tell. Um, so I don't know if you didn't know that or not, but I'm not preacher. Um, he is actually in Florida. One of his relatives is very sick with cancer, and he went down there to visit and to help the family. So he'll be back this weekend, but he's down there right now with that family. So you get to have a blessing tonight. You get to hear from two different people, right? So you get twice the money tonight. So nobody leave. I know I see some of you trying to sneak out, all right? Um, So do pray for Pastor, pray for the family. Um, So tonight you're going to get to hear from Jason and you get to hear from me, all right? But Jason's going to go first. Now, do be nice to him. This is his first time, so be gentle. You know, applaud him and give him some amens. Try to help him a little bit. You can be mean to me, it's okay, but be nice to Jason. So uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and have Jason come up, and he's going to share what uh, God's laid on his heart tonight.
1: We are going to be in James chapter 2, verse 14. While you're flipping, like Dustin said, I'm Jason. I'm, I was over the life groups here at, at the church. Now I'm over uh, guest services. Uh, like he said, we are not preacher. Right now, you're probably flipping from Revelations to James thinking, oh, darn. But listen, it won't be that bad. Y'all just uh, hang on and hold on, and, and uh, an hour will fly by. All right, so we're going to be in, in James chapter 2, verse 14. And it says, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or a sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, if it had faith, not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou dost well. The devil also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Lord, I thank you so much for this night. God, I just thank you for the opportunity to be able to spread your word. Lord, I thank you for just, just allowing me to be able to worship you and to be able to be here at the church and just to be able to preach your word. God, I pray that you just be with us tonight. And I pray that, that your name is exalted and lifted up, and it's not me and it's not Dustin. God, it's all about you. Lord, I pray that you be with Andrew as he's across the street with the teenagers. Lord, I pray that you just bless his ministry. Maybe many teenagers will be saved tonight. Lord, I pray that you be with Josh's area for the little ones, Lord, as they learn more and more about you. God, I just pray that you're, you're here tonight. I pray, I pray that your, your presence is felt here tonight. Lord, I just pray that you're with us through the message. In Jesus' name, amen. So so one of the things that that we've been talking about on Sundays is, you know, as we've started this year, 2019, you know, Preacher has challenged us as a church that he wants us to to read our Bibles more, he wants us to study more. Really what Preacher's trying to get us to do is he's trying to to dig in the Word, dig deeper into the Word so that we can become a more mature Christian. As we read in in James chapter 2 verse 14 here, if all you're doing is just skimming through your Bible and you're just reading it as fast as you can and you're not taking a moment to study it, really this this particular passage, it can, it can get kind of confusing for you. Because, you know, Paul Paul wrote most of the New Testament. Paul spent a lot of his time in the New Testament talking about uh, uh, that we are saved by faith, not by works. But then you here have James. What does James tell you? He's telling you that works, that, that faith, without works is dead. That's kind of confusing. You got Paul telling you that that it's not about works, it's about our faith. Then you got James telling you, "Hey, it's not just faith. You got to throw a little works in there." So if you're just reading this and you're just skimming through it and you're not taking a minute to study, you can you can leave here confused. And we all know that that God is not the author of confusion, right? So, we're going to take a little bit of time and we're going to we're going to dig into this a little bit. So, most Christians, when they cat- categorize their, their, their faith, they either go way heavy over here with works, or they go way heavy over here with just their beliefs. So what we want to do tonight is we're going to kind of break those those up a little bit, and we're going to focus on which which one we need to to, to really be focus uh, uh, concentrate on. So tonight we're going to talk about we're going to talk about a work salvation and what that looks like. We're going to talk about what a belief salvation looks like. And then we're going to talk about what a true faith looks like. So first of all, I want to talk about what a work salvation is. So over here, you've got real heavy works. These are where the people, it's just all about works. So let's talk about a work salvation. And I see on a couple of faces, I see a look like, what is this guy talking about? And you are absolutely right. Because A, a work salvation does not exist. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as a work salvation. If you're here today and you think that somehow that you can buy your way into heaven by something that you do, somewhere that you serve, please do not leave here tonight until you talk to myself, Dustin, another staff member, an altar worker, because there is no such thing as a work salvation. It just does not exist. But we've got some people that believe heavy... On a, work sa- uh, on a work salvation, let's see what the Bible says about that. We can look in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It says, in verse 8, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God. Verse 9 says, Not of works, lest any man should boast. So faith exalts what God has done, not what we do. So there's nothing that we can do. So works is all about us. So if we're doing a work salvation, that would all be about us. Salvation is, the, 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 the gift of salvation is not us. It's the gift of God. God sent his son Jesus here to die for us. Jesus chose to die instead of us. So there's no, it's, the works is not about us. So I want to make this very, very clear. You can do nothing to earn God's forgiveness for your life. Nothing. Do not leave here today thinking that you can. Salvation is a free gift. You don't have to work for a gift, and you sure don't have to earn a gift, okay? So, so much of the New Testament that the Apostle Paul wrote is, a, is, is he wrote about uh, uh, against a work salvation or legalism in that time. So, you see, when Jesus died and he rose from the grave, you had, you had some of those Christian Jews there. Once Jesus uh, was out of the picture, they were going around and telling people, you still have to do all these things, you still have to act like this, Dress like this, you still have to do all the, all the rituals for you to be considered a, a saved Christian. And Paul spent much of his time telling people that it's not about what, what they do, it's about what Jesus did. So again, it doesn't matter how much money that you give, it don't matter how long you served here at the church, you will never earn your way into heaven. Because B, there's only one way into heaven. There's only one way. We see in John chapter John chapter fourteen when Jesus is he's, he's telling the disciples you know he says hey I'm going to go I'm going to prepare a place I'm going to come back for you one of the disciples they 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 asked Jesus they said hey what where are you talking about what place are you talking about where are you talking about how do we get there we see in John chapter fourteen verse six that Jesus tells them he says I am the way I am the truth and the life and no man cometh to the Father but by me so we understand that there is no work salvation. So people that are way over here, and this is where they believe that it's all about works, that is a dangerous, dangerous place to be because there's no work salvation. So then you have on this side, we're going to be talking about number two, we have this belief salvation. So you have people that are over here, and I call this easy believing, easy believing. These are the people that, that just because they, they believe that uh, and believe in Jesus, they can just do whatever they want. They can live however they want. I've got my, my, my WWJD bracelet on, and I'm good. That's all I need. I've got my praying hands tattoo, I wear my cross, I've got my temple sticker on my car, I'm good to go. I call that easy believing. Let me tell you, easy believing is just as dangerous is this works believing. It's just as dangerous. So when it comes to to that belief in salvation, A, faith is more than just what we say. So what James is saying here, he's saying, you know, you got to put your money where your mouth is. Talk is cheap. What good does it do for you to claim you believe and yet your actions don't show it. How many times do you get on Facebook and you see a, a post that says, share if you believe Jesus, or, or, or share if you saved, or, you know, I don't know. I've never shared one. I don't ever share one. I'll tell you why I don't share them. Because the same people that share them, now, I, I should, this is not everybody, because you may share one in here, but a lot of people that share them, they share that particular post, and then the next 20 posts that they share are the nastiest most vulgar Facebook post that I've ever seen. Typically, what I do in a situation like that is I, I hit uh, unfollow or, or or whatever it is. So what what James is saying here is you gotta you gotta it's more than just what you say. You gotta put your money where your mouth is. You can't just say that you believe in Jesus. You gotta do something about it. So then we see B. We see that faith is more than what I feel. We see that in verses 15 through 17. It says, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. So faith is just, it's more than what you feel. You got to do something about what you see. Okay? God prompts you to act and not just feel. You can't just tell somebody, you see, a, you see somebody in need, it's more than just saying, well, have a good day. You know, believing is more than just prayer. You got to act on it, you, you got to put your faith into action. I was talking to, to Brother Andrew today, and if this is your, your first time here at Temple, Brother Andrew, he's over our teens. They're across the road doing a, a, a bonfire. We probably should have prayed for the, for the safety of the bonfire tonight. Yeah. But I was talking to him, and I tell you, it, it is a, absolutely a, a privilege to be able to work with, with so many people here at the church that encourage you and help you and, and guide you and, and give you, not only encouraging words, but encouraging uh, direction on your message. And as I was talking to Brother Andrew and telling him about what I was going to preach tonight, he said, hey, I've got a great story for you if you want to share it. And I'm going to share that story. And it goes really well right here with believing is more than what you feel. Brother Andrew told me he had a student that come up to him one time, and he said, "Uh, Brother Andrew, I need you to, to pray for my dad. He needs Jesus. He needs saved. He's lost. So Brother Andrew said, Sure, man, no problem. I'll pray for him. Next week came, same guy come up. He says, Brother Andrew, I need you to pray for my dad. Brother Andrew says, Hey, man, not a problem. I'll pray for him. Third week comes around, same guy comes, same request. Brother Andrew, I need you to pray for my dad. He says, hey, no problem, man, we'll be praying for him. Week four, five, six, seven comes, same thing. Brother Andrew, I need you to pray for my dad. Finally, week eight comes around. The guy comes up, and he says, Brother Andrew, I need you to pray for my dad. And Andrew says, well, let me ask you something. Have you shared your faith with your dad? Have you talked to him? The guy says, no, man, I'm praying. He says, well, I tell you what, I'm not going to pray for your dad anymore. I'm going to pray for you. Because you have to take advantage of the opportunities that God gives you. You can't just believe God wants us to work at what we're doing. He's going to present those opportunities to you, and you have to to apply yourself. You have to make an effort, okay? Okay? So the third thing is, uh, or see, faith is more than what I believe. It's more than what I believe. So if we look at verse 19, it says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou dost well, the devils also believe and tremble. So did, did y'all catch that? The, the, even the devils believe. You know, it can't just stop at believing because even the devil believes. Just believing in God does not make you a Christian. It does not make you a Christian at all. Listen, I believe that the Auburn Tigers are a football team. I believe that they're a team. But let me tell you something. I'm not a fan and I'm not a follower. So just because you believe in Jesus, that does not make you a Christian. A lot more Auburn fans here tonight than I thought. But but let me tell you, also, when you just believe and you just have this, oh, I believe in Jesus, I believe in Jesus, that can give you a a false sense of security. I got another little story to tell you. You know, I believe firmly that God loves me. I believe that God protects me. I believe that God doesn't want me hurt. But, you know, I also believe that God gave me some common sense. I want to tell you a little story that, honestly, if I wasn't strong in my faith, and all I did was believe, it might have shook my faith. It might have rocked my world. Me and my wife recently, we, we bought some property. Property's got, uh, had three mobile homes on it. Notice I said had. We, we took care of the situation. Uh, we burnt two of them a week ago. I told Dustin about it, and he says, man, why didn't you call me? I, I would have liked to have seen it. I said, okay, I'm going to burn the other one next week, and, and I'll give you a call. So Friday, when I was leaving, I walked up to his office and I said, hey, I'm going to burn that that trailer on Monday if you still want to come see it. I said, I've got this great idea. Now that right there should have been red flag number one, let me tell you. (laughs) I I said, I've got this great idea. I'd watched a movie one time, and I'm not going to tell you the movie. You're smart enough to figure it out, I'm sure. At the end of the movie, a plane full of bad guys starts taking off, and it's leaking jet fuel, and it's It's just running all over the snow and and the cop he takes a a cigarette lighter and he throws it on the jet fuel and and it just follows down the snow and it goes up in the sky and it just blows the plane up. And I said, Hey, I got an idea here. (laughs) So I tell Dustin on Friday when when I tell him I'm burning the trailer down, I said, Look, here's what we're gonna do. I said, here's what we're gonna do. I said, I'm gonna take some diesel fuel first, and I'm going to spray all over this trailer. And I said, then we're going to take gasoline. I said, this is where it's going to get good. So we're going to take gas, and we're going to go just edge of the trailer, all the way around, and we're going to make a trail, and we're going to light it and just watch it just go. First thing Dustin says is, do not call me. Do not call me. (laughs) He says, you're going to blow yourself up. Do not call me. I said, okay, I won't do it. I won't do it. I'll still call you. Saturday rolls around. We also had some trees. Uh, knocked down, and put in a little brush pile, and, and uh, I was going to burn some brush. And uh, wife and kids were there, and 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 some friends, Stephen and, and Jen Hastings. Y'all probably know Stephen pretty well, the bald headed guy that's always walking around with me. So I tell Stephen, I say, I got something cool. We're going. I got something cool to show you. I could not get that movie out of my head. I, I look here. I was going to. I was going to do something. So I get to the brush pile and I take the lid off the gas because you know the spout. They don't produce enough so I took the lid off and I hey look here I'm just a going to town around that thing well Stephanie says hey I need you to come here so I walk over talk to her for a few minutes what, what happens when that gas is just sitting there some of them fumes just started to go so I get back over to the pile and well you know I, it done been sitting a few minutes so that wasn't enough gas so what I said I got something to show you I go to town some more and I say look here I got to get me a little trail I got to get me a little trail I took a little, little big glider, little bitty old thing. And I got down as close as I could, and it didn't take but a second, and it just, whoosh. It got me pretty good. I learned a, a quick thing there. Hey, when you play dumb games, you win dumb prizes, let me tell you. <laughs> it did not work out too well. I was, uh, I, was I was, hey, Stephen laughed, so it worked out good for him. But if all I had was this belief in God that, oh, if I just believe, if I just believe, nothing will ever happen to me, that could have been a situation right there that could have rocked my faith up a little bit. That could have sent me going a different direction. So if all you do is you have that belief that way, it's going to be a a long, tough life for you. But, you know, because my faith is grounded, I, I was able to look at it a different way instead of believing Oh, God must not love me anymore. I just believed it like this. Jesus is up in heaven with a, with a, with a bucket of popcorn and he said, Paul, Peter, come look at this. Watch what he's about to do. <laughs> and they probably laughed at it about like Stephen did. <laughs> so we know that over here that you've got a work salvation that is false. It's going to get you nowhere. We know over here that you've got this, this just I believe, I believe Salvation that's not going to get you anywhere. It's kind of like a rowboat, you know. It's kind of like a rowboat. If you are over here and you got works, and you're just rowing with one hand, you just you just spinning. You ain't going anywhere. You come over here and 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 you rowing with this hand. Guess what? You're just spinning. You're just spinning in circles. That that true faith, that true faith, and that faith that Paul's talking about, the faith that James is talking about, that faith without works is dead. It's 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 both. So now you got that rowboat, you're holding on to a little bit of works, you hold holding on to, to, to some faith. Hey, guess what? Now you're getting somewhere. Now you're getting somewhere. So that, that number four, that's that true faith. So true faith is when you believe, and that belief is transferred from your head to your heart and to your hands, and your hands put it into action. So when something is truly in your heart, it plays out in your actions. We can see in verse 20, it says, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. So what James is saying here, he's saying real faith is demonstrated and developed by what you do. It's more than just saying it. You, you, you have to do something about it. I mean, Jesus came here. He's the example that we're supposed to follow. That's what the WWJD bracelet is that, that so many people wear. Well, let me tell you, Jesus done a lot more than just say things. He done them. He's a servant. He, he, he worked. And that's what we're supposed to do. So, A, it's not just what you say, feel or believe. It's what you do. And we can see in James uh, chapter 1, verse 22, it says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So, don't just hear the word. Be a doer. I can promise you right now, God's not up in heaven saying, oh, they showed up for Wednesday night Bible study. Check. Some of them's got their Bibles. Check. Some of them's taking notes. Check. It don't work that way. It don't work. There's a lot more to it than, than just, just being that here you have to do. You have to put your faith into action. You can look down in verse 23 and it says, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding the natural face into a glass. So that's kind of what that's saying is, is that's like looking at yourself in the mirror. So when you wake up in the morning and you go to the mirror, first thing in the morning, your hair's all a mess. Your Breath could probably crack the mirror. I mean, it's rough. Do you just, oh, well, I'm out. I'm going to work. Most of you probably do not. There's probably somebody that does, but most of you don't. When you wake up in the mirror and you take a, se- you, you, you take a look at yourself in the mirror, you, you have to get honest with yourself. And that's what this is saying here. You need to get honest with yourself. You take five minutes in the morning to make yourself look good, you can give five minutes to God. Amen. If it takes you an hour, you can give an hour to God. If you ain't got an hour, I guess you go going to start getting ready a little bit faster. But that's what that's saying. That's saying you need to take a look at yourself... In the mirror, you need to get honest with yourself. And then we can look at uh, 2 Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, if any man uh, be in Christ, he is a new creature. So that right there tells you that true faith is being a doer of the word, and that's spending time in prayer, and that's reading your Bible and being obedient to God's will, and that's being his disciple. So I want you to remember, I want you to take this home with you tonight. If you're over here and you think that works is what's going to do it, if you think because I do a little tithing, because I serve a little bit, and you're doing it with this, this uh, uh, hard heart, and you don't, you don't know Jesus as your, as your Savior, I can promise you guys, this right here is not going to do it. You're spinning your wheels, you're wasting your time, you got that rowboat, and you're just going in one circle. And if you're over here, and I'm not, the, I'm, I'm, I'm not your lead pastor, so I'm not going to beat you up and go into a whole lot of details, but it, you're smart enough to know what I'm saying here. If you're over here and you have this belief system where you just think, oh, I love Jesus, so I can do whatever in the world I want. Guys, you might as well just be way over there with the works because you're getting nowhere. You're just spinning in circles. You've got to be, have a balanced faith and be grounded in it with works and faith. It's that faith produces good works. And you got to be out there working for God and be his disciple. Amen? Amen. All right. Dustin's going to go ahead and come up and finish this out for the night. All
0: right. I don't have any funny stories, so I'm going to be kind of boring, I guess. So So I don't do crazy stuff like put gas and try to light it. That just doesn't, doesn't seem smart. I think I told you, like, three times not to do that maybe four is multiple times um all right so if you look at the outline it's the next page you'll see that's much longer than jason so i'm gonna have to talk really fast um, which i do anyway so i apologize because i always talk fast um, but go ahead and turn your bibles to first peter three uh, so first first peter three it's just a couple books over from where we were at in james and we're going to start in verse eight So when you're there, say amen. Yeah, hey, go there. See, it works, right? All right, so here we go. Verse 8 it says, Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessings, knowing that ye are uh, thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto the prayers, uh, under their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. So let's go ahead and pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you so much for the word that Jason shared a minute ago. I pray you just please help us and take that to heart. Uh, I pray you just help me in my time here to share what you've laid on my heart today to help us to be stronger Christians, to be stronger. And our faith to be stronger in the world we live in as, as things continue to kind of go downhill and, and things get harder for Christians. Lord, I pray you just help us to use these verses to encourage us, to help us, uh, to help us have that good life that you want us to have. We just thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so this is First Peter. So this is the first book in Peter that he wrote. Um, he wrote this to a group of Christians that were scattered across Asia Minor. So this was like in present-day Turkey, if you guys are familiar with the maps. So it was up in the area of Turkey. All right. It was two uh, groups of people. It was Christians, it was Jews, it was Gentiles. It was people that were, if you look at the first chapter and the first uh, few uh, verses, he was talking to people as strangers because um, they were strangers in their land because with their Christian faith and their Christian beliefs, they didn't fit in with the general crowd. They didn't fit in with those around them that weren't Christians, so they stood out. All right? uh, some of the commentaries I wrote actually said, uh, read actually said that they were like aliens. They used the word aliens because they were so different from the people around them um so it was a group of people that was being persecuted uh they were being singled out uh they were being um various crimes happening against them and their families so it was it was a time where you know they needed encouragement they needed to know that hey what they were going through was worth something all right it wasn't for not it wasn't for and they weren't just being tortured for no reason all right um so he wrote this first uh, book of peter to do that to encourage them because he knew and we as if you read further that persecutions were going to get worse uh, if you do a little bit of, of studying, uh, this book was written right before Nero's reign and when he really started to persecute the church really, really bad in about 64 AD. All right, I say all that to say this that it wasn't as bad as it was going to get for these people. Just like today, it's not as bad as it's going to get for us as Christians. As we can see, our world is getting worse uh, and worse. Um, even if you watch the news, you get on Facebook, um, it's not great. You know, the news isn't great. You know, things. Are turning the wrong direction. You know, evil is taking over, um, and it's going to start getting harder and harder for us as Christians to live and to uh, to exist and to uh, not be aliens in our own land. I, there are times now I feel like it's hard to raise children, even in Coleman, because there is influences that aren't Christian. Um, and, and so we got to understand how can we, knowing where we're going, knowing where our country is going, knowing what's going to happen in the end. Because we've been studying Revelation, we know what's going to happen. How do we have a life that is joyful, that's, that's full, that we love, that we like? Um, like it says in this verse, that is a, a good life uh, and, a, and a good days and a life that we love, all right? So that's what we want to talk about today is how do we do that? There's lots of good stuff in this, in this chapter that will help us with that. Um, you know, the main purpose for me today is to help us with that, to help us understand uh, what's going on, all right? So everybody remember the Declaration of Independence? Everybody read that in high school or, or whatever it was? All right? So there was a, there's a famous line in it, right, that everybody remembers. It's what? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? So Thomas Jefferson wrote that, and he wrote that as, you know, unalienable rights that he believed God gave to us, all right? So he was saying that we have the right to have happiness, right? But today, happiness isn't really what we think it should be or is, right? A lot of people search for happiness in all the wrong places, correct? You know, they search for it in, I need a big house, or I need a faster car, or I need to, you know, go on a bigger vacation, or I need to go to the best sporting event and have the best seat so I can do my face face thing on on Facebook so everybody can like my stuff, right? That's what it's about. We think happiness comes from stuff that comes from people, you know, liking us on Facebook or Instagram, All right? And it's not really what God wants us to be happy with, all right? Because we all know, can money buy happiness? No. And stuff by happiness no you know a lot of times when we search for happiness and we continue to search and look and look and look um, it leads farther and farther and farther down the road so it goes from faster cars to a new wife to drugs alcohol it just keeps on going right because we keep searching for something not the right thing all right so what I want to talk about is what is right happiness how do we have right happiness in our lives so there's lots of bible characters throughout the bible that have issues with this all right so this isn't a new thing um, I struggle with this. I like having nice stuff. And, you know, sometimes I think it makes you happy. But guess what? It doesn't. All right. So everybody remember Solomon? Yeah. He was pretty rich. He was pretty powerful. He was pretty knowledgeable. Uh, had lots of stuff, chariots, palaces, uh, money, silver, gold, uh, you name it. He had it. Uh, beautiful women. Um, but as his, as his life went on, he just wasn't happy. He wasn't content. And in Ecclesiastes two seven, he actually said, he made this statement. It says, Therefore I hated life because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Um, so he had everything. And if there's anybody who had everything, it was him. And he wasn't happy with stuff. So we know that's not the answer, right? Material things are not the answer. Money's not the answer. Um, you know, women, men, whatever, that's not the answer, right? Um, but there is an answer. We got I'm going to show you what that is through these verses, okay? So... God wants us to have a great life, right? He wants us to succeed. He wants us to be joyful. He wants us to be happy. Uh, John 10, 10 says, uh, The thief cometh not but to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly, right? So we know that God wants us to have a joyful, happy life. We just got to get on his plan and figure out how to follow his plan so we can do that, all right? With um, that being said, we know as Christians, guess what? Is every day peaches and cream? Is every day great? Every day, do we have things happen to us? Yes, we have flat tires. We have things that break. You know, uh, we have transmissions that go out in trucks and you have to do stuff, right? So there's things that happen that make us feel like, hey, sometimes this is not joyful. This is not happy. But there's some stuff in these verses that can really help us as we go that way, all right? So let's look in verse 8. So we're back in 1 Peter 3, verse 8. It says, Finally be ye of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, all right? So there's some attitudes that we're going to learn in this one. So point one is we having the right attitude, all right? So it all starts with our attitude, <coughs> having the right attitude. So there's five attitudes in this first verse that we want to pull out. Um, are these all easy to do? No. This is going to be a very easy lesson to teach and to preach to you guys, but it's very, very hard to, to live, all right? Um, everything in life begins with the attitude, right? You wake up in the morning, you can choose to have what? Good or bad, right? So it's attitude. Attitude just defines who we are each and every day. We can choose that, all right? So some things we can choose to have the right attitude. So the first one is, as you can see from the verse, it says, all of us be of one mind. So one mind. Christians should have an attitude and outlook at harmony with others, right? We want to be in harmony. We want to be in one accord, one mind, unity, all right? So we're talking about unity. Uh, so we're going to start kind of with our Christian family and then we're going to work out to the world, okay? So we should be in one mind. Um, one can easily see how this can be true of a believer as we relate to follow, uh, fellow believers. We should live in harmony together, maintaining a common commitment to the truth that produces an inward unity of the heart with one another, okay? And that's shown, shown throughout the Bible. Um, I'm just going to kind of go through a few verses that are on your, on your piece of paper there. Um, but the first one is Romans 12, 16. It says, be of the same mind one towards another, uh, Romans twelve five says, "So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another." All right. So we gotta have unity. The first thing we gotta have the attitude of unity. You know, we want to be together, not separated. We want to be together for a common purpose, a common cause. All right. Um, because guess what? As things continue to get worse and worse, who are we gonna turn to? The world? Or are we gonna turn to each other? The church? Our family? You know, I consider all of you part of our family. All right, because we're the family of God. Um, Philippians 1, 27 through 28, uh, says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. All right. So it says, striving together, 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 as your adversaries come against you. So we've got to be together. We have an attitude that we want to work together. Unity, all right? So the first thing, the first attitude we have is one mind. The second thing is we want to have compassion, all right? We're going right through the verse, word by word here, all right? So have compassion. Um, compassion's hard at times, right? It's hard to have compassion for people when you've known they've made mistake after mistake after mistake, and you've got to help them again and again and again. But as Christians, what are we supposed to do? Help them again and again and again, all right? So we have to have compassion. You know, we have to have compassion on those that treat us wrong. A lot of this verse talks about people that were doing Christians wrong. And guess what? You've got to have compassion on them, too. It's not easy to have compassion on somebody who just cut you off in traffic or cussed you out or done you wrong. But we're supposed to. That's what God tells us to do is to have compassion, all right? Um, everybody remembers the story of the Good Samaritan, right? Everybody Good Samaritan, you know? They, he, there was a gentleman that was hurt. He was lying half dead in the gutter. Um, two religious people came by. Did they do anything? No. They just kept on walking. One went across the other side of the road. I and mean, it was so bad, all right? They had no compassion at all, all right? So, um, but then someone came along that had compassion. It was a Samaritan. He came. He found him. He got him out of the gutter. He took him to the inn, fixed his wounds, helped him, and then what else did he do? He even paid for whatever else might happen in the future after he had to leave, all right? that's compassion that's finding someone where they are finding where they're hurt where they're down and out no matter who they are no matter what they've done as again if you really research the story the samaritan and the jews they didn't they didn't talk to each other they just weren't it was like opposites all right but he was willing to to help that person in need no matter you know the circumstances no matter that person no matter that background no matter that race it didn't matter he had compassion on them all right compassion is more than just knowing it's acting and continuing to act all right It's not just a one-time thing. Like, I'm gonna have compassion once and then we're done. right Compassion is ongoing. It's something that continues to go on and on and on. all right So that was the, that was the second thing so we have compassion. we have unity. The third thing the verse says is the love as brethren. love as brethren. So this is brotherly love. everybody has brother, knows what brotherly love is right It's loving like you would love your brother or your sister or your family. The ones you like, I guess, right? So you can't count the ones you don't like, correct? Right? See. Um, So my brother's over there. He's somewhere over there. You know, he has a lot more brotherly love probably towards me than I do. You know, if I call him and need help, he always helps me. I'm probably not always the best at doing the same thing, so I got to work on that one. But as my brother, I'm going to do anything, everything I can to help him if he's in need, if he's in struggling, if he needs uh, help at home or help with the kids or help financially. That brotherly love is going to kick in, and we're going to help each other. Right. And that brotherly love does, doesn't just happen in your family. It goes to the church family and from the church family to the community because we're all in need. we all need that brotherly love. Love is something that can really help people and change people's lives. Um, so Romans uh, 10, uh, 12, 9, and 10 says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. All right? Acts 20, 35 says, I have showed you all things how that's so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. All right. So, brother, love. So we got unity. What's the second thing? Okay. Compassion. What's the third thing? Love is brethren. Fourth thing it says is to be pitiful, All right. Be pitiful. So as we've been studying on Sundays, I got the dictionary out and looked up what that word meant, all right? Because I wasn't sure what it meant, right? Pitiful, I don't really use that word a whole lot. So it's basically... It says to be full of pity, tender, compassion, having a heart to feel sorrow and sympathy for the distressed. So it's basically to be kind-hearted. It's basically to feel as someone feels that's in distress, okay? So much like compassion, uh, pitiful calls for us to be so affected by the pain of others as to feel it deeply down inside, all right? It's not just enough to just have compassion, but to have compassion that is heartfelt, that's deep inside of you, all right? Um, it's, it's more than just, oh, I see that need and I might help. It's, man, I see that need. I need to do something for that brother or that sister or that person in need. Uh, it's, it's beyond that. All right. In Ephesians 4, 32 says, and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgave you. All right. So that's number four. And number five is be a courteous. All right. So courteous basically means to be humble in spirit. Um, Humbleness is probably something that we all struggle with. I know I struggle with that. Um, It's something I'm always working on. Um, It's not easy to be humble when people do you wrong, when you're being mistreated, when someone is persecuting you, when someone is talking down to you, when someone is saying, hey, why are you a Christian? That's just worthless. That's stupid. You know, it's hard not to be prideful and get mad, but you're supposed to be humble in spirit, all right? Humility is arguably the most essential, all-encompassing virtue of the Christian life. Humility is not weakness, it's not weakness, all right? It's not weakness, all right? Jesus was not weak, but he was humble, all right? Um, this is probably one of the hardest attitudes to master for a lot of people is humble because we are prideful. We like to look like we have it together. We like to look like we are, are in control and that, hey, you've done me wrong. I'm just going to do you wrong back. You know, we like to do that stuff, so it's hard to be humble. But I challenge you to do that. You know, be humble because it says it right here in, in, the, in the in the verse here too. That's the fifth thing, all right, is to be courteous. Um Lots of verses on this. If you look through the Bible, I did like a search on verses on humble, and there's a lot of them. Um, so uh, Philippians 2 3 says, Let nothing be done without strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem um, each other better than themselves. Uh, Luke 14 11, For whosoever exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. All right. James 4 6, where uh, Jason was in the in that area, be given a more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisted the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. All right? So five attitudes we got to have, right? So we've got our attitudes. We get them right. We get unity. We get, unity. Uh, we get uh, compassion. We get, what's the third thing? Love. Fourth thing? Right? And fifth thing? Hurtest or humble, right? So we get our attitudes kind of right. Then we got to have the right response. So that's the second point, the right response. Have the right response. So 1 Peter 3, 9, as we just continue on down, the, the verse here it says, not running evil for evil or railing for railing, all right? So that's hard to do, right? When someone does evil to you, is it easy not to do evil back to them? Um, when someone does you wrong, do you try to get back at them, try to figure out, you start plotting, like, how am I going to get my revenge, you know? Mm, I'm going to go on Facebook and blast them. That's what I'm going to do so everybody can see. <laughs> this person cut me off in line, I'm going to take a picture of their car, and or, you know, this business did me wrong, I'm going to take a, you know, what do we do? We, we go out and try to f- make someone else feel bad because we feel bad, right? So we don't want to do that, though. It says do not do evil for evil. You know, we don't want to do that. Don't make those actions of evil for evil, all right? Um, Matthew 5, 38 says, For you have heard that is, hath been said, An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, right? That's what we like to hear, right? Eye for an eye. They give them, they give them back, right? Um, but I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with them twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow thee, turn not away. Have you not heard that been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy? But I say unto you, love, thy en- love your enemy, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that- which despitefully use you and persecute you that you may be the children of your father, which is in heaven, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and to, on the good and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust, all right? So multiple verses on we can't do that. No evil for evil, all right? We don't want to have railings for railings either. So if someone comes along and starts railing at you, just hitting you with words and angry things, don't rail back at them, all right? Uh, that's an insulting language of what railing means. I looked that up. It's an insulting, clamoring language, uttering reproachful words, all right? That's what that definition is of that, of that, what it's talking about. So if we can't catch them on Facebook and we can't yell back at them, what can we do? So, you know, we always got to have, what do we do instead of that, all right? Instead of, you know, Facebooking them and, and taking their picture and saying, did anybody know this guy? You know, he did this, this, this. What can we do? Well, the verse right here tells us, all right? If you can't even read it, it says, but contrarywise blessing. So it says, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrary wise, blessing. All right, So it means we got to do what? Bless them, right? So contrary-wise, and I looked that one up too, it says on the contrary, oppositely, on the other hand. So on the other hand, instead of evil for evil, do blessing for evil, right? So instead of evil, we do blessings, all right? So what are some things we can do? Luke six twenty eight says, Bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. Um, so out of the verses we've read, Matthew we've read, this we've read, what can we do? Here's what we can do. All right. This is going to be hard. All right. This is not going to be easy stuff to do. I, I, I was studying this. I'm like, I don't think I can do some of this stuff. But we got to. All right. So the first thing is, is a, love them unconditionally. All right. So when they do you wrong, I'm not saying you know, don't stand up for yourself, but do it in a manner that is not evil for evil, railing for railing. All right. Love them unconditionally. All right. If someone does you wrong, love them unconditionally. Because people do us wrong. When the family member does you wrong, when the friend does you wrong, when the church member does you wrong, it happens. Love them unconditionally, okay? John 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another, all right? Love them unconditionally. Very, very hard to do. I'm not going to lie. Very, very hard to do, especially when you've been done wrong, okay? And as society continues to move where it is, we're going to have more wrongs being done towards Christians. So we're going to have to love them even more. Which makes this even more difficult, okay? But we got to. We're commanded to. All right. Uh, B. Pray for their. Uh, pray for the salvation of the lost, or sanctification of the believer. So pray for them. How often do you do that when someone does you wrong? I don't do it very often. So I'm actually. I'll, I'll go over here and preach to me. I don't do it very often. All right. Um, but we need to, right? We need to pray for them. Pray for their salvation if they're lost, or pray for them. You know, whatever that may be. All right. Um, Matthew five forty four says, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, all right? All right, so we're going to do what? A, we're going to do what? Love them. And then we're going to do what? Pray for them, all right? And number C is we're going to express gratitude for them, express gratitude for them. So we're not just loving them, we're praying for them, and we're going to have gratitude for them, all right? So we're going to talk good about them, we're going to give them a gift, give them a card, we're going to be even nicer to them, all right? Um, 1 Corinthians 4.12 says, and labor, working with our own hands, be reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we suffer it, all right? So we're going to bless them, Um, just be nice to them, niceness kills, I promise. Sometimes being nice gets you a lot farther than being evil for evil and railings for railings, all right? All right, and then we're going to forgive them. That's D, forgive them. Probably the hardest one is to forgive them. So forgive them. So when you're done wrong, when you're persecuted, when the coworker talks bad about you, when your family member talks bad about you, you've got to forgive them, all right? Luke seventeen four says, And if his trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him, all right? Um, best example of this is the parable in Matthew. I'm not going to read it to save time because we're getting low on time. I don't want to keep you guys late because um, the clock's always ticking up there. Um, it's kind of annoying because you, you, know, you don't feel how bad it is until you get up here and you're like, I you only got 11 minutes left. You're like, I got like five pages. Um, so forgive them. But in Matthew 18, 21 through 35, I'm just going to go over it real quick. Basically, a king called a servant. The servant owed him a lot of money, 10,000 talents. Uh, the king, after he uh, talked to the guy, forgave the guy, all right, forgave the servant of all he owed. The servant went out and then found somebody who owed him 100 talents, or I think it was even 100. I think it was even less than that, and said, you've got to pay me or else. You know, he picked him up in the air and shook him and all kinds of stuff, and he wouldn't pay him, so he threw him in jail. All right? But then the guy, the king, came back and said, we have done wicked, all right? And then he actually took and turned him over to the, to the, uh, the tormentors to be tormented until he made that money back up, all right? So the moral of that story is, you know, if you're forgiven for much, should you not forgive for little, right? So if we think about that forgiving, Jesus has died on the cross. He's forgiven us for much, right? I mean, we didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. We couldn't earn it. We can't do anything for it. Just like we talked about, we can't work for salvation. It's a free gift that God paid for on the cross, paid for by dying for us. Great forgiveness for us. Can we not do a little bit of forgiveness for someone who cuts you off in traffic? or, you know, didn't talk to you as nice as they should have or treat you like they should have, all right? So forgive them. Like I said, this is not easy to, to swallow. So, um, And if you can continue reasoning in that verse, it talks about a blessing, and that blessing is that salvation. So when you do these things, we're going to be blessed, right? We're saved. We're going to heaven. We have that blessing, all right? So what's the big deal if we do forgive them and we do have unconditional love and we do, I know, care for them and help them and, and pray for them and, and buy them a a cake if they've done you wrong. A co-worker does you wrong, I'm a cake. They don't know what to do. They'll be like, why are you being nice to me? I was just mean to you. So, all right. So, number one, we saw that we had to have the right attitude. Number two, we have to have the right response. All right. And number three, we have to have the right communication. All right. We continue reading, First uh, Peter 3.10 says, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. So this is verse 10. Um, as we know, our tongue and our lips—they can do a lot of damage, right? Um, James three six says, "And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So the tongue is among our members. So is the tongue among our members that is defileth the whole body and seteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell." Right? So our tongue can do a lot of damage. You know, our lips can do a lot of damage. So we have got to have right communication, like it says here. It says, uh, you know, if we want to have a life that we love and have good days, we got to do the things above and let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips they speak no guile. So you've got to be godly words have to come out, right? Don't be saying things that are not what you need to say. Kind of going back to the same thing. Where's, where's our heart, and you know, where does our, our words come from? from the, Our heart, right? So we've got to get our heart right. We've got to be walking with God, communing with God. You know, we've been challenging you guys to read a verse every week, or every day, through the whole New Testament. That stuff is going into your heart that you can use and will help you as you try to become a better Christian, try to become better at doing this stuff like I need to do. This is just as much for me as it for you. I'm not very good at any of this stuff. I've got to get better. I've got to be better to react and better to communicate. The only way to make that happen is to pray, seek, study, repeat. All right? So have the right communication. That's in verse 10. And verse 11 says, as we continue reading, let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and eschew it. All right? there's four commandments that are given in this as well so we got a lot of things here we got four here and three there and two here lots of stuff to worry about right um so the first thing is is to turn away from evil so that's a skew evil all right a skew i looked it up again in our dictionary it says to flee from to shun to avoid all right so we want to turn away from evil that's the first thing we need to do all right the second thing is it says what and do good, right? Do good, right? Now, do good in what kind of good? Not our good, but God's good, right? You know, not what we think is good. You know, I think it's good to go rail that person because he did me wrong. That's what I think, right? But what does God say? Not to, right? He says to, to bless them, to pray for them, to be for them, all right? So do good. God's good, not man's good, all right? And seek peace and ensue and it. And that means pursue peace, all right? Uh, The word peace here denotes a constant condition of tranquility that produces permanent joy and happiness. That's what it's talking about here. Um, Seek and pursue both uh, convey an intense and aggressive course of action. When you're seeking something, when you're pursuing something, you're going after it wide open, right? So when you're seeking something, you've got to find it, right? When you're pursuing something, you're not just like, well, I'm just wandering around, right? We're pursuing it. We're after it. We want that peace, all right? So depart from evil. Do good. Seek peace and pursue it. If we're doing those things, it says that we're going to be happy, right? We're going to be joyful. Um, Matthew 5, 9 through 11 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. All right, It's going to happen. It happens all the time. Evil things happen to Christians. Just the way it is. But if we have our, number one, attitudes, right? And number two, our response, right? Somebody's paying attention. Number three, the communication. Number four, I haven't given it to you yet, right? <laughs> all right, and the last thing is the best part, right? Have the right motives. Oh, they already put it up, look. Have the right motives. That's verse 12, all right? So what do we get out of doing all these things? You know, what are we after here? So, uh... Verse 12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. All right? So if we do things we talk about tonight, we're going to have a joyful life, like it says. We're going to have a happy life. We're going to like our life. Um, And he's also going to do what? A, he's going to watch over and protect us, right? It states it right there. That's what he's going to do. If we do good and not evil, if we don't return evil for evil or, or, you know, we don't, you know, talk bad about people and not help them, and not see somebody that's in need, and we don't help them. We don't do all these things. We do what we're supposed to do. He's going to hear our prayers. He'll watch over and protect us. B. He's going to hear our prayers. His ears are open unto their prayers. Right? He's always watching and ready to hear the prayers of the righteous. Um, Proverbs five twenty one says, "For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and He pondereth all his goings." First um, John five fourteen and fifteen says, "For this is the confidence that we have in Him." That if we ask anything according to His will, so it's His will. Remember, He heareth us, and if we know that we hear, and if we know that He heareth us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the perdition that we desire of Him. All right, so that's the good stuff, right? right. So He's going to He's going to watch over us. He's going to protect us. He's going to hear our prayers. But it also says, "Those that obey God." It also says, "But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil." All right. Um. I don't want God's wrath on my life. I don't want God's wrath on anybody's life, right? That's why we do what we do. It's why we seek and, and we try to help people get saved and get people you know, going on the right path. And we have discipleship and we have the Bible reading and stuff because we don't want the wrath of evil on anybody. But God will take care of his children. God will take of things. And God dis- will deal with sin. He'll deal with um, disobedience. He will do that. I mean, he is a just and holy God. But he's also strict i mean he's got lots of things we got to do and if we don't do it there are consequences um you know so we gotta have the right motivation our motivation is if we do these things he's going to hear she's going to help us we're going to have a joyful life even when things get worse because we all know it we all see it each and every day i almost hate turning on the news to see what else bad is happening whatever new law is being passed and whatever else is going on um but i have peace knowing that god's with me if I follow his direction, follow his will, yes, things are going to bad things are going to happen, right? We all know that. But we also know that he's going to take care of us if we follow his plan that we see here in First Peter. All right? So hope you enjoyed that. I know it was a little rushed. I apologize. Hopefully you kind of understood a little bit what I said. Uh, and we'll go from there. All right? So let's pray for Pastor. Um, he will be traveling back, I think, tomorrow um, from Florida. Uh, pray for his family down there. Uh, with the, the cousin that's, that's got cancer really bad. Um, so pray for him for travel and pray for that family. is It's, it's a bad deal. So um, let's go ahead and pray. I'll get you out like a minute early, which that's the best ever, right? I mean, early is always better. Now check out the bonfire. It's probably going out there across the road. Be careful. I don't think they put any gas on it, but, but you never know. All right. Yeah. So let's pray.